Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. Mama, there goes that man. You know what time it is when we play public service announcement. Willie P. Seriously? Yes, seriously, folks. We're not lying to you. Voice of Charlotte FC hopping on the Body Works Plus guest hotline to talk about the breaking news. Charlotte FC has a new manager, and it's a familiar name. Maybe not the same person, though. Dean Smith, the new manager of Charlotte FC. Willie, how many Dean Smith jokes should we hurl your way during this interview? Because have you heard enough of them yet? I'd I'd settle for zero, Walker. Uh, (laughs) I've I've seen all of them. I've heard all of them. Uh, Even when he was named as a finalist, we started getting some of them. And uh, I have to say, I'm uh, I'm already tired of them. So uh, if you could refrain, uh, I'd appreciate it. No, but before we move on, I do want to know how you think his implementation of the four corners offense will work with this team. Yeah, yeah, I did want to know. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I knew it was coming. (laughs) Willie, we got to do it. I got to ask you, let's ask about the real Dean Smith now here, at least in Charlotte. Okay. We can ask about Charlotte FC, the new manager, this Dean Smith, what makes this Dean Smith different and what can you tell us about him? Well, his experience definitely is something that is to be very much admired. Uh, He's honestly the most experienced manager that Charlotte FC has had. And uh, that's by a long shot when you compare the first two, and that's not to denigrate those first two gentlemen, but he brings 10 years of experience in the English football league. And his last three gigs all came uh, at the premier league level. So when you think about that, uh, it's somebody who comes in with a, definitely a lot of high level experience. He's got a history of developing players. There's a lot of guys who uh, succeeded under his tutelage, including Jack Grealish, who is very, very prominent now with Manchester City. Uh, also got Villa from 13th place the previous season before he took over and in 15th place when he took over midseason. Uh, two years after that, he was in his uh, uh, basically in a, in a playoff final, getting himself and his team to the Premier League. So when you think about uh, the abilities that he brings to the table and uh, the clubs that he has managed, it's somebody who brings a very attack-minded style, uh, something that's honestly not too dissimilar to what Charlotte was trying to play, uh, just not necessarily doing so successfully. So uh, I'm curious to see how he takes his style and tries to mold it to uh, the personnel he's going to inherit and potentially also recruit to play here at Charlotte. Yeah, so I, I guess is there going to be a dramatic difference? It doesn't seem like it with this hire based on what we saw last year, right? Well, I think there is going to be a difference in thinking the personnel. I think given the way that Charlotte FC ended last year, uh, there were some guys who I think very much came into form. You think of Kerwin Vargas, who I think really shone uh, during the last part of the season, but there were also rumor mills of potentially players moving on, including potentially Carol Svidersky. Uh We haven't necessarily heard anything to that effect yet. The, the window doesn't open until January in terms of when players can move on. So I think that news will definitely come uh, in the offing if it, is, if it does come at all. But 
I think you're looking for Charlotte FC to add some players, add some pieces that more fit what Dean wants to do. And I think one of the things that they wanted to figure out from a managerial standpoint is get somebody who is going to attract some talent and attract some players. I don't know if necessarily the last manager was somebody who you felt like could do that from just his own name recognition standpoint. Dean Smith as a name will definitely bring players to Charlotte, and, and I expect a transformative offseason ahead for, for Zoran Canetta and the sporting department. It's Willie P. joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. So, yeah, I was going to ask you that question here as well, Willie, with his track record, success actually being in the Premier League. Do you think that is going to bring a lot of credibility to this hire and even bring credibility to Charlotte FC a little bit more so? Oh, it, it definitely does, and it, it's very rare. I mean, there's, there's always going to be people who wanted, you know, other guys in the in the finalist process. I know there were a lot of names that were thrown out there. You know, Bruce Arena was thrown out there, I think, mostly by his camp. Uh, there was the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, scenario, the former Manchester United head coach who apparently had visited Charlotte FC's facility. But when you think about all the, the people who were looked at as, you know, realistic candidates that Charlotte FC actually looked towards, and, and when they got down to their four finalists and all the only one that uh, I think at least had any kind of name recognition alongside Dean Smith was Frank Lampard. And when you compare the two guys, Lampard as a, as a player was somebody who you looked at and said, Hey, you know, he's a great, great player, but not so much of the success happening as a manager. Uh, I think that was kind of the one strike against Lampard there. And so when you think about uh, a player uh, or sorry, a manager who players want to come play for, I think Dean Smith definitely fits that bill. And uh, I think you can definitely look at some of the other guys who have succeeded. You know, I mean, Martinez, who is a, a great international goalkeeper was, was under a Dean Smith led squad and Ollie Watkins as well. Uh, these are names that are, are household names in the soccer industry worldwide. And so w- when you have a head coach who can walk into a meeting touting those bona fides, you're going to have an opportunity to sign some high-level talent. Well, and Willie, it sounds like bringing him on, it really it comes down to a decent amount of it, bringing more talented players to the roster as well. So if are, are we looking at this in like a, a two years down the road type of thing where maybe that's how long he has to have an impact in order to bring over some new players? And how much of this hire can be justified based off of his own success and the type of style that he does bring to this team? Does, does a lot of it have to do with, okay, he's going to bring over some bigger names to this roster? Well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a wait-and-see scenario. I mean, I do feel like that there's a proper level of patience that has to be taken, but I also think if you look at his track record, he's he's into quick turnarounds. And by quick, I mean he definitely instills a, a way of doing things, and he gets players uh, that not only to buy in, but also gets players to come in from a transfer standpoint. And, and you know, like I said, his, his team that he took over at Aston Villa – in the first season he took over, he took over a team midseason that was 15th in the table. He got them from 15th in the EFL championship up to 5th and playing in the EFL playoff final. He lost that one, but then the next year he came back and they were up to also in that you know 4th, 5th range. He got themselves into uh, the playoffs and won over Frank Lampard's Derby County and got themselves in the Premier League. So I don't think it's a scenario where you look at it and say this is a wait and see. I think Charlotte FC wanted to get the best uh, the best person to not only have an immediate impact, but also somebody who's going to build a foundation for years to come. Willie Premier, play-by-play on the pitch. Palachik joining us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie, obviously coming off of a playoff berth, 
do we think that if so what's the next goal here right with dean smith now coming aboard should this should the goal be get even further into the postseason standings maybe win a game and then be set up for sustained success well i think it's to get yourself solidly into you know the playoff conversation and the way that the mls playoff first uh happens or at least when the way that the uh, the format happens i should say is that if you get into that you know top six top seven scenario you are at least guaranteed the opportunity to host one playoff game and uh, if you get in that uh, that top half scenario you're obviously hosting the first game and potentially an equalizing third game so i think that's kind of the next goal is to try to get yourself into that uh, secure in playoff scenario be at least guaranteed the one home playoff game and and then potentially advancing on forward you know we've seen uh, teams in this league ascend to the top very, very uh, quickly. This is a team and a league rather that's built mostly on parity. A lot of these teams, very much like the NFL, uh, are meant to kind of finish at the 500 mark, and then it's the other intangibles, you know, the coaching, the player development, uh, the player recruitment that gets you up over the hump. Look at a team like Cincinnati, a team that was perpetual spooners, comes in this past year and, you know, wins the hold on regular season. They fall short of the uh, ultimate goal in the championship uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference final, losing to the eventual champion Columbus. But this is definitely a league where you can definitely ascend uh, quickly and uh, it, it only takes, you know, the right person in charge and uh, potentially also some right player movements as well throughout uh, the next couple of months. Not only is he the voice of Charlotte FC, you can hear him on post-game coverage for the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers. It's Willie Positive Panther Pontificator Palachik joining us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie, I'm not sure we ever got your thoughts on the athletic article that dropped last week with Diana Rossini, Joe Person, discussing what seems like dysfunction with the Panthers organization. Did you have a main takeaway from that article that dropped? Well, it... it the main takeaway, I think, is that there was some definite uh, going behind some backs when it came to uh, the coaches who were trying to get at least uh, the ship righted, if you will. And for whatever reason, uh, the uh, the person who was the head coach, you know, didn't necessarily come off looking very good. But I don't think the assistants came off really good as well because anytime you're talking about you know dudes snitching around, it's not necessarily a good thing. But th- there is, uh, I think, a, a, an air among. Uh, those who at least, you know, are trying to get this thing right over there, that it isn't going to come, you know, with some magic uh, bullet or some sort of, you know, one decision that's made. I think there definitely needs to be some greater decisions made in the off season in terms of, you know, what direction you're going in, you know, how you get the best uh, group around Bryce from a personnel standpoint, not only with the skill positions, but also from the interior. I think the, the offensive line was very much an over- uh, I would say heights group just because I think we thought that it was going to be a lot better. But, you know, there's also talk about the scheme being uh, something that doesn't necessarily fit what their skill set is. So uh, I'm curious to see what the moves look like this off season, but uh, it didn't really come off well looking uh, when it came to anybody in terms of uh, those who were involved there. Willie Prince of the Pick and Pop Palachik joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You also talk about the Charlotte Hornets providing post-game coverage there. It feels like Brandon Miller, Terry Rogier even as of late, but Brandon Miller has been a real beam of light during this season that has been underwhelming. What have you made of the Brandon Miller performance so far this year? 
I think it's been very encouraging. Uh, I think about the, there was the one moment last night where you know he made a, a really in rhythm three when the Hornets needed it the most, and and also had you know that big fourth quarter as well in this contest when he was trying to fight off foul trouble. Uh, that's something that you're not always talking about when it comes to rookies. And you know the one thing I'm always very interested in is is the opposing uh, media pregame. You know I go down and I usually sit in. Uh, Steve Clifford's 515 uh, pregame media briefing, and it seems like every one of these opposing media factions tries to ask a question about Brandon Miller, and I've heard him repeat this dialogue and this discourse almost on a nightly basis where he says, look, this guy gets it uh, from the moment that he took our uh, our first practice. You, you knew he was going to be a little bit different than most rookies that come into the league and, and have an immediate impact. Uh, he's a great shooter. I think he's even a better defender than most guys are when they come right into the league. And, and I also think he's got a basketball IQ that's well beyond his years. It's all about whether or not he can you know, keep it up consistently over an 82-game schedule. I think we always kind of talk a lot about the rookie wall in terms of you know, when guys' effectiveness potentially can take a little bit of a downturn. But I think he's somebody, you know, the immediate returns on him are incredibly impressive. And, and that's for a guy who I felt like, from a lot of people's perspective, maybe a preferred Scoot Henderson uh, based on uh, some of the pre-draft conversations that were involved around Brandon Miller, a lot of them on the court, some of them off the court. But uh, I do feel like it's something where, uh, at least from an on-court standpoint, has won over a lot of people, myself included. Willie, last question. I did want to go back. One more question to Dean Smith. Do you trust his assistant, Bill Guthridge, whenever it's time for Smith to hang him up? Really? That's where we're going. That is Willie. Popular promo with public service announcement. Palachik joining us on Wes and Walker. Willie, I love you. We appreciate all the breakdown of the new hire of Charlotte FC and getting their new manager uh, integrated into the system. We appreciate it. Slap the bald man next to you for me. All right, will do. It's it's a little bit of a distance for me, but I'm going to try to do that the best that I can. That'll do it. Willie P, hopping on with us on Wes and Walker. You can go listen to that interview again in case you missed a little bit of the info about the new manager of Charlotte FC, Dean Smith. Just go to WFNZ.com, click on the Wes and Walker tab. Let's go back to the Carolina Panthers at 1-12. and 12. Well, we could talk about sitting Bryce Young. We can also talk about Derek Brown being an absolute beast. Is there any question that he's the best player on this roster? Let's get to it. Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I went one too many Dean Smith joke questions 
Did I go one too many to the point that Willie P will not hop on the airwaves with us anymore? No, because um, I was going to ask him, uh, will players be forced to point to the passer after they score a goal? Will he remember the tired signal and know that whenever a player raises his hand, that means he wants to be substituted? Because uh, a funny Dean Smith story is the first ever game as a coach against Virginia. A player gave him the tired signal. He didn't know what he was doing and forgot to sub him out. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of questions there. Is, there's a former player that played for uh, Tottenham Hotspur, Matt Doherty. Is he coming on board as well to join the, the club here in Charlotte FC? Like so, it. no, we could have made a whole interview with Dean Smith references. I like it. We could have done that. I don't think Willie would have appreciated it, but we did have to fit in the Bill Guthridge question at the end. Also, do you think that this Dean Smith is going to give his players $100 at the end of his life? Is that something that's going to happen too? Because that's something that Dean Smith did as well. And so we appreciate Dean Smith now being back in our lives via Charlotte FC. You can text in Carolina Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. The question I had for everyone is, with Carolina... Is Derek Brown just the best player on this team right now? And we don't even really have to debate it anymore because I just don't know. Brian Burns would have been that guy. And I think most people would have gone with Brian Burns more so coming into the year. It used to be Christian McCaffrey, then Brian Burns, when we all kind of just mentioned it based off of anticipation. He plays a premier spot. He's productive there. Maybe not as productive as we wanted him to be, but it's coming. He's only 23. He's only 24. He's only 25. And he's not getting home as much, but in Second Take Tuesday, I talked a little about how he still makes impacts on these pass rushes, on some of these plays, and that allows Derek Brown to make a play that allows other guys to do the same thing. I just think that we have a pretty clear answer now. After a month and a half, and this might have been clear to everybody else for a while, but I just don't even think there's much debate anymore. Derek Brown's had a great season. Joe Person just wrote an article on The Athletic about Derek Brown discussing how notable it is, how he's excelling at a position where most teams employ a rotation. Derek Brown has played a career high 87.4% of the defensive snaps. I just, that's pretty brain melting for a guy that's 330 pounds for him to play almost 90% of the snaps when you are supposed to be rotating guys in. And think about this when Ajero Averro came in, and he was going to deploy an odd man front and base, but still he was going to be multiple, then you might have seen them bring in, this is our best unit for an odd man front. This is our best unit. When we just go four down, you might see Derek Brown rotated a little bit more so than usual. One, they can't really afford it because he's clearly their best now, we think, player, but also defensive tackle. But also the fact that he's producing on that amount of snaps, that's ridiculous to me. He's only trailing edge rushers, Max Crosby, who plays 97% of the snaps. That's ridiculous, too. And Aiden Hutchinson, who's playing 89.9 among all defensive linemen. And here he is as a defensive tackle coming in at third. And so if you look at what else he's doing, the second game this season that he was able to accumulate 10 tackles, that happened on Sunday against the Saints. That's also tied with Max Crosby for the most among defensive linemen since 2020 and when Brown entered the league. He also has 19 passes defended since 2020. That's tied with Jeffrey Simmons, Carlos Dunlap. That's the most among defensive linemen in that span. Yeah, man, Derek Brown, just an absolute monster. Where we would always mention it, it was always a footnote. Hey, we got to talk about paying Brian Burns. But remember, Derek Brown's coming up. Remember, Derek Brown's coming up. 
most of the conversation focused on Brian Burns. Derek Brown just might be your top priority this offseason. Make sure you take care of him long term. And to me, it's not it's not even really a question because he is he's the face of your defense. He's the heart of your defense. Um, and he's the one guy that I can say this year has consistently showed up despite the team being one and twelve. Like that, that that guy hasn't mailed it in. That guy hasn't quit. And I know he's paying he's playing for a contract. But it's still very easy with all the negative stuff that's gone on, all the losing for guys to to quit because they know whether they get paid here, someone else is going to pay them an inordinate amount of money. Here's my question. You mentioned that he plays a position that you see a lot of rotation at. Is it problematic that he's the best player on the defense at a position that in, in today's NFL gets rotated as much as any spot on the defensive line? It would be if he wasn't so damn productive. I thought that might be the case for him when you start to look at him playing well at the beginning of the season. Then you start to see a little bit of a span where the production wasn't there as much. There's probably like a five-game span where the grades on pro football focus were down. I mean, he was still posting a decent amount of tackles. He had nine, according to pro football focus, against Chicago. That might be where you register the 10 for some other publications. But even still, you're talking about when Chicago, he actually turned it up. I apologize. That was actually when he was starting this hot streak that he's on right now. To answer your point... I might be a little worried about it if he wasn't so productive. If you could see him getting tired out there, if all of these snaps, him playing that high of a percentage, if that was something that was you know, deterring him from being so impactful, then yeah, I would say, all right, let's try to get a better rotation. And you still want depth. You still want defensive tackles that you can trust. Okay, can we ask Derek to do this all the time? We got to do it now. Can we ask him to do it again next year? Can we ask him to do it again the year after that? You certainly don't want to have him playing 90% of your defensive snaps every season. So you're going to have to get depth. But, I mean, what he's doing right now, it's it's allowing the defense overall to get a chance. Here we talk about Bryce Young and the quarterback making players better around him. Derek Brown allows players around him to be better. He's eating up double teams. These, these other players on the outside... I mean, they don't have to worry as much about double teams because you got to account for Derrick Brown. And that also helps them stop the run a little more so. The fact that Brown's motor isn't questioned either, he's going to get paid, and he's not playing like he's fat and happy right now. And he's still running down the field. There were, what, I, I know at least one tackle that comes to mind where he's tackling someone 10 yards past the line of scrimmage because he just doesn't give up on the play. What else can you say about him, man? Like, that's somebody that I want on my football team to be a building block for whatever retooling or rebuilding you have in the future. You mentioned that he's making the game easier for the other guys on the defensive line. How troubling is it that Derrick Brown is eating up double teams, his, his, his presence and his impact is felt on every play, and you haven't seen the production that you expected to see from Brian Burns entering the season? Yeah, you want him to put up more sack totals. Well, I mean, because remember, we entered back in the preseason, we were talking about could he threaten the franchise record for single season sack total? Because he's come close in the past. He's not going to come close this year. And he's doing it with one of the most dominant defensive linemen in the entire NFL. No, he is. I'll still say, I I think what's happening with Brian Burns, even still, is the fact that. He is providing some pressure on these quarterbacks. I, I know the sack is not a tell-all stat. I think I'm somewhere in the middle 
where, yeah, sacks are representative because the best pass rushers, they still put up those numbers no matter what. Yep. So what that can tell us is that Brian Burns isn't Nick Bosa. That can tell us that he's not Mac Crosby. It tells us that he's not Khalil Mack. And they shouldn't invest $30 million a year in him. Well, maybe as the market moves on, I would understand it. But he he hasn't played well enough, I think, to justify the 30 mil. But then you go to something like pass rush win rate. He's posting a top four spot there when it comes to all the other edge rushers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And we, we can go to I just went through it in second take Tuesday early on in the first half. I don't know if you watch that the first time and think that Brian Burns made a real impact. But then you go back and watch it and think, man, Derek Carr, he was scrambling a little bit. Like he had to run away from Brian Burns. I'm not saying he's Nick Bosa. I'm not saying that. I think the conversation on how much to pay him, that's a little nuanced because we see all the time the best player at every position is not the highest paid player at every position. But with Derek Brown, to me, that just feels like a really easy decision for me. No, he's not even Dexter Lawrence. He's not that good. No, he's not clearly... Aaron Donald, I would not call him Chris Jones. Those guys get after the passer at a much higher rate than what Derrick Brown does. But still, Derrick Brown, to me, it's easy. Hey, you hand that guy a lot of money. You have him be the interior defensive lineman. And also, what we've learned from him is now that he's versatile. It doesn't matter what kind of front you have. It doesn't matter. He is scheme proof. He is going to be a productive player. So let's throw him the money. You have to keep good players when they ball out for you especially if it's not going to be $30 million a year. Derek Brown's not going to command that. So go ahead and pay him, get him taken care of, and then focus on so many problems offensively that you have while keeping a strength a strength, which is underrated in this league. Yeah, no, it feels like them taking care of, of Derek Brown's not going to be the issue. It's them taking care and deciding what they're going to do with Brian Burns is going to be messy, but right now, like assuming that Scott Fitterer is the guy making that personnel decision and he's the one handing either of one of those two guys a contract, if you're a Panther fan, I don't think you can be upset if they choose Derek Brown over Brian Burns. And if this team is trying to retool and put themselves in a position to be competitive next year, that might be a choice they have to make. Maybe you have to move on from one of those two guys to, to get the draft capital that you need to get more talent on the roster. But to me... Like going into the season, I thought it was a debate. Like you may, if if you're having to pick and choose, I would have told you in August, I would choose Brian Burns. We're sitting here in December. There's no way I'm letting Derek Brown get outside my building. There's no way. Well, and I I think too, when you're looking at the way the NFL is moving, so many people will tell you it's, it's a pass happy league. It certainly is right. Like, yeah, they're still throwing the football all over the yard. What you're seeing, though, is that you're seeing some pretty impressive rushing attacks. We can go to San Francisco. They have a team that's built for it with Debo Samuel, who is a unicorn. Christian McCaffrey, probably the best running back in all of the NFL. So they're building. They're picking up a lot of plays, especially when they run to the left side because you have someone like Trent Williams, but you can't stop them. And so when you pick up six, seven yards per carry going to the left and still over four yards per carry going to the right, how in the world do you stop that? Well, you take care of a Derek Brown, who is number one in run stop win rate in all of the NFL, and he's number one while taking on a double team 40% of the time. So think about that. 40%, you're you're almost talking about 40% of every defensive snap because he's out there for 90% of the total snaps. You're talking about 40% of every single game, two linemen having to account for one guy. So that means there's plenty more opportunities 
for everybody else around him to play better football. Not just the defensive lineman, by the way. Linebackers will tell you the defensive tackle is the most important guy on that side of the ball for their own production. So they can take on all of those offensive linemen that are supposed to get to the second level and take Frankie Louvu out, take Shaq Thompson out. But if Derek Brown is eating up that offensive lineman that's supposed to get to the second level, then Louvu and Thompson and whoever is the linebacker have free run to the ball carrier. Pay that man. That's what it is. Building block. Franchise guy. Derek Brown needs to be here long term, no matter what your vision is. If you want to blow it all up, fine. He's the cockroach that survives the blow up. Wow. He's here. He's the guy. You got to keep Derek Brown. I'm not so sure about Brian Burns, though, just because I don't know if the Panthers, based off of how negotiations went this past offseason, are going to come close enough to the mark, especially once we know Micah Parsons is going to get paid. Yeah. Well, it also feels like with his production, they're going to be more justified not giving him the big bag that I think he wanted back in the preseason. Um, and they were reluctant to give him to him. Remember, what was the initial reporting? They, he wanted 28. They were like at 23 and a half. Which I wish there could have been, yeah. And it feels like maybe if they were at 25, 26, a deal gets done. But with what he's put on tape so far this year from a production standpoint, like there's going to be some analytics where he's going to be top five in the league and you, top five in the league and you went over them. But it's going to be hard to see them giving him any more more than $25 million, which just feels like whether it's Scott Fitterer or the new GM, if, if they go that route, that situation, it's going to be messier than it was the week of the season when he had a de facto hold in. Uh, Spence asked on the text line, Walker, is Derek Brown the regular cockroach or is he the one that flies? I, I know just didn't know how we end up at cockroaches with a guy like Derek Brown. Well, when you survive a blow up, it's the classic saying that the cockroach is the only thing that survives a nuclear bomb and they will be here for all time because cockroaches can survive it. So that's what I was rolling with. Okay. If you don't like it, I understand. It's, cockroach is not a compliment. But I was just saying he's going to survive the blow up and he's the one that flies. OK, when you're that big <laughs> and you can get through the line, he's a palmetto bug. That's what we'll transition to. I want to play a game where we try to figure out who are the building blocks going forward, Fitty. But I also want to just try to figure out if we have a face of the franchise right now, because it clearly used to be Christian McCaffrey. Cam Newton was before being the MVP. He was the face. You could go to Luke Keekley. You had so many good players. That's how you get to a Super Bowl. That's how you get to multiple postseason appearances with that core. And then Cam Newton moves on. It felt like Christian McCaffrey was that guy because he held the title, at least when healthy, as the best player at his position or certainly one of the top three. Is Bryce Young the face of this franchise, despite him not playing very well? Because of all of the circumstances that are around him, but is it still fair to say, hey, he's the quarterback, he's the face, or do we just not have one for this team right now? I'm still going to say yes because he carries himself as such. He's the guy that he addresses the media after every loss. He's the guy that talks to the media on Monday. And despite being put in one of the worst situations we've seen from a rookie quarterback in the last five years, he's up there doing what a rookie, what, what the quarterback is supposed to do. He's taking the blame, he's shouldering the blame, and he's putting it all back on himself. Do you think other rookie quarterbacks would have done the same? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think some have. It's not like every other rookie quarterback has behaved poorly during awful seasons. No, they haven't. But like, you know, what a Jake Locker or a Blake Goodness gracious. you know, like, like, you know, with one, what, with one of those guys, a Brandon right. Whedon, like would they have done this? The, I, I, I don't think so. And I think, I think that's why as much as anything, I still believe in him because his leadership isn't, the same style of Cam Newton's 
but I think he is a leader. He leads in different ways, and to me, that's valuable. And I would still say at one and eleven as a rookie quarterback, he's the face. Of the, he's the face of the Panthers. I don't know why I'm fascinated with the trio of QBs that first came to mind when going rookie QBs that go to the podium and try to take up for the team. You went Jake Locker first and foremost. Yeah, maybe Cam Newton being in the conversation brought you to Jake Locker. Maybe. I was, he was just thinking of, of bad quarterbacks and bad situations, and that's what Jake Locker was. Blake Bortles and Brandon Whedon. You really, uh, that was an interesting trio you brought up. All right, let's go with the potential building blocks. You tell me yes or no, Fiddy. This is a one-man game. You got the ball. You're going ISO. Bryce Young, we can agree that Derek Brown is, right? So we already had that conversation. Bryce Young, potential building block, we would say yes, right? Yep. Where are you going on Brian Burns? You already know with me, baby. Yeah. Flea market GM Josh Fiddy Marlowe. I would have traded him in the summer, and this spring he'd be gone. Yeah. J.C. Horn. Mm-hmm. Sounds tough. Only because I don't know if he'll ever play more than 14 games in, a, in, a, in an NFL season on a consistent basis. He's playing well right now. But when he's that on the field, there. he's a face of the secondary type of guy. You know, I think people are, you know, frustrated with even J.C. Horn coming back now because Chris Olave beat him for a touchdown. We know, I think Mike Evans had a few receptions. But also we're talking about among the best receivers in the league. And just think about how poorly it would go if another cornerback was on Chris Olave and Mike Evans. Oh, C.J. Henderson. It would go much worse. Jonathan Mingo. Okay. You think you're seeing enough here lately that you feel decent enough about going into a second year? I, I, I know that people think that wide receiver is an easy position to translate from college to the NFL. Put him in a, leg, uh, in a legitimate offense with stabilized position coaches and a coherent game plan. Steve Smith doesn't just vouch for anybody. I'm going to believe in what he's seen on tape that at some point it's going to translate in the black and blue. Yeah, it's really, really the correct answer is it's way too early to know, but it's just, okay, what side of the doubt do you fall on? Is it, do you give him the benefit of it? And I, I think I do. Yeah. I want to see, but I always fall in love with wide receivers. That's who I am as a person. Uh, we got three more names. People writing in this name a lot on the text line, Frankie Luvu. No doubt about it. That guy has been a warrior since Shaq, since Shaq Thompson went down. His value and his price tag's only gone up. I think if Frankie Luvu is gone, I think he's one of those guys where as soon as he leaves, you realize the impact he provided now that he's no longer here. On and off the field. He's all over the place and very good as a pass rusher. If you're talking about defensive linemen not getting after the QB, Frankie Luvu has been excellent on blitzes and going after the quarterback. Two more names. What about Chuba Hubbard? There's uh, look. I, I want a pass catching running back, but I really like Chuba being on a cheaper contract. Insert West joke here from home if he's listening. I like Chuba Hubbard on a cheaper contract, but we got to get somebody that's really dynamic in the pass game. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, then I'll keep Chuba Hubbard. Last one on the list. He's been moving up and up and up on the pro football focus rankings. He's been very good on the back end. Actually, the you know I thought he was going to be the second best safety on this team, but he's the first now. Xavier Woods. What do you think, Fiddy? Like I, I told you when this guy came over, I saw him a lot in Dallas. He, I think he played was a year in Minnesota before he came to Carolina. A good in the box downhill safety that's going to be physical. Yeah, I especially if 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 Ajero Vera is going to be the defensive coordinator moving forward. I like what he provides. So I think you gave us a yes on, of course, Derek Brown. You said yes on Bryce Young, Jonathan Mingo, Frankie Luvu, Chuba Hubbard, and Xavier Woods. You said no on Brian Burns and J.C. Horn. And so those. 
even if you said yes to more guys than no, you did say no to a couple of big old contracts that would allow you to save some money and then allocate towards the other resources. Tell us what you think. 704-570-9610. We'll move on. And because Fiddy is second as the co-host today, he will tell you a little bit more about Shohei Otani contract details. $680 million is deferred until the, at the end of this contract. What does that mean for sports? What does that mean for baseball? We talk about it on Wesson Walker coming up next. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Joined myself, Walker Mail, and Colin Hoggard, and even Josh Fitty Marlowe, tomorrow night at 7.30, and you can help us cheer on the Charlotte Hornets as they take on the Miami Heat. Thanks to the fine folks at Michelob Ultra, we're inviting you to watch a party at the Carolina Ale House. Waverly location. I said watch a party, but really I meant we're inviting you to a watch party. Yeah. We want you to partake in the party, not watch it while we all have the fun. I apologize to everybody that heard that. The Carolina Ale House, Waverly location, 7404. That's 7404. Waverly Walk Avenue, Charlotte, North Carolina. That's the WFNZ Michelob Ultra Watch Party, Wednesday night at 730 at the Carolina Ale House, Waverly location. We'll see you there. You excited to watch the Charlotte Hornets and Miami Heat and hang out with me and Colin because you were a late addition to this watch party fitting. I mean, look, we're, we're, we're three hoop heads that are going to be hanging out, watching some ball. I think it'll be a lot of fun hearing the, the discourse throughout the game. Um, okay. And what's I, going on in that brain of yours? And I feel like this is one because I'm out with the, with, with you guys actively rooting for a Hornets dub. Okay, thank you for that. You, you know, because there is the complication with the bet that it does conflict my rooting interests. There is not that complication anymore. <laughs> I, I like how at 7-14, and 14, you have come to the, the realization that 37 wins is not going to happen for this group. Uh, because I, I, I didn't think after watching them play opening night beating Atlanta that we would be here in December. 7-14... and 14. And I feel like this was the season that Willie P would rather have had his five consecutive win bet in yeah. order for him not to have his hair spray painted or like dyed quote unquote blue. Last year, they were able to rattle off five wins in a row. This might be a year where they're not able to. Now, once LaMelo comes back, they got some injuries. They experienced that last year too. So who knows how healthy they can stay, but I don't see them getting to 37 wins. I would like to be wrong about that. But I don't expect that to happen, and I appreciate that you are going to be pulling for the Hornets tomorrow <laughs> once they take on the Miami Heat. I wanted to get to a few more texts 
on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. Stanford P said, when we asked the question about the face of the franchise, he said, unfortunately, the face of the franchise is David Tepper right now. Matt and Greensboro said the same thing. And also a random 704 number said the same thing. Three separate people said, we have a face of the franchise. Unfortunately, it's the owner. Hey, uh, what's the problem with the owner being the face of the franchise? Jerry Jones is the face of the Dallas Cowboys. No one has a problem with that. What's the matter? I think people do have a problem with that, Dave. I think they'd rather have somebody else be the face of the franchise. Who, who do you want it to be? Are you happy that it's yourself? Hey, uh, look, man, I, I bought the team. I brought music to the city. I brought a soccer team to the city. I brought Messi to the city. <laughs> Without me, Daddy Warbucks wouldn't be the same. What? <laughs> Part of the fun hanging out with Fiddy pre-show and during show is a lot of times he likes to hear himself talk. And when he does it, we have no clue where he's going to end. Real and, life Michael Scott. And when really, like us not knowing where he's going to end, Fitty doesn't even know where he's going to end up. <laughs> and we got a Daddy Warbucks mention at the end of that. Daddy oh. Warbucks wouldn't be the same. I did not expect you to dismount with that. That's what he makes his grandkids call him, right? Because, I mean, like, you know, their Christmas gifts are like trips to like a private island. So he's like, come give Daddy Warbucks a hug. Man, Merry Christmas. Have a candy cane. I feel like their gifts are actual islands, not just trips to islands. <laughs> he's buying them their own island. <laughs> Tepper Island is where he's going to move Bank of America Stadium if we don't pay for it as a city. 704 on the text line said we don't have a face. It's same thing. And then Panther Bo said flea market GM gets an A minus grade. You keep J.C. Horn and pray he stays healthy. That was the one difference that he had with you. And that seemed to be the hardest one for you to try to figure yeah. out was J.C. Horn. Because I like him, and I believe when he's on the field, he's a shutdown corner. The problem is, is he isn't on the field a whole lot. So ho hopefully he finds a way to, to keep that body healthy, and moving forward he can be a, a good part of this defense. Okay. King McQueen. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> King McQueen just wrote in, Tepper is the face and the ass of the franchise. All right, mm. that's one. That's a winner, folks. We'll read that text at the end of the show. King McQueen, congratulations. You win today's Best Text Award. Shohei Otani, we talked about his $700 million contract. Yesterday, we got that breaking news on Saturday. Wes was enthralled with that storyline, but not even to single out Wes. Everybody was enthralled with that storyline. Yeah. It's a ridiculous contract. It's the biggest we've ever seen in American sports, at least via the three main ones. Tiger Woods has been paid more throughout his career earnings, but on a single contract, yeah, man, he's breaking the contracts of A-Rod, Mike Trout, all the big contracts that have been handed out. 700 is ridiculous. But he's not getting 680 million of it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's only getting two million per year, and 680 million of the overall 700 milli is deferred to the end of the contract. So when he's done, he's like, "All right, I'll take the almost billion that you gave me here right now." What do you make of this? And are we talking about this being a loophole that? might need to be stopped before other teams start to take advantage of this when they sign big-time fr uh, franchise player. Yeah, as you can imagine, Chris Mad Dog Russo went on a you know uh, very lengthy rant about how this is bad for baseball. Yeah, you can play it. You want to hear it from okay, Mad Dog? Yeah, let's, let's, let's hear what the Mad Dog had to say on Otani's record defer uh, de deferral contract. This is an absolute disgrace. Baseball can, this is completely unfair sounds like to the ethics of the game. <laughs> Baseball cannot allow this. You got to look into this and change this. This is, I've gotten six text messages as it is. Chris, you got to say something. 
This is a joke. Baseball is going to allow this? They're going to allow the Dodgers to, uh, to, to bring on Otani and allow them to defer all the money so they don't get sit there and they get murdered with a luxury tax to give them a chance to sign all these players? Why don't we just give the Dodgers every player? Give them Blake Snell. Give them the Yamamoto. Give them Otani. Give them everybody so they can win some championships. I haven't won in 100 years. Why don't we give them everybody? Is this what baseball wants? Boy, if you were an owner of the Pirates or the Diamondbacks or more preferably in your own division, the Dodgers, the Rockies, you'd be racing hell with the commissioner. You're going to allow this? You're going to allow this contract to go down where they don't have to pay a luxury tax? This is why baseball has got to have a salary cap. I mean, this is why the sport's a joke. You can't take this seriously. The best part of his reign is maybe what the, the truth is. In the year of our Lord, 2023, baseball needs a salary cap. Now, here's the thing. Not every player is going to set up this type of contract and defer $680 million because Otani's going to make almost the same amount of money off the field now that he's in L.A. His endorsement money is going to be record-setting. But at the when you saw the contract, 10-year, $700 million, great for baseball. Especially for people that think that baseball is dying. But then you find out it's $2 million a year and it's all going to be deferred after the contract. Like, move over Bobby Bonilla Day. We're going to have Shohei Otani Day as they pay out $680 million. But, uh, yeah, I, to me, as an owner that's got endless funds, I don't want a salary cap. But, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, this might have been a different take from you, what, two years ago? Yeah, yeah, but it, it does feel like it does feel like maybe baseball needs it. And I think you see why the NFL and the NBA, they have their contract structures the way that they have them structured. That way, something like this doesn't happen. Because look at, I mean, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Cowboys. Like, those teams could pay out money that some teams, some owners just simply couldn't. Yeah, the details on this are pretty crazy. So, according to this report from Jeff Passan on ESPN.com, the deferrals were Otani's idea, a source close to the situation said motivated largely by the thought of helping the Dodgers sign other players and made easier by his massive off the field earnings. Otani is believed to make upward of 45 million annually through endorsements. That's what another source told Jeff Passan. And so just to put this a little bit more into perspective, Otani's cost towards the Dodgers uh, competitive balance tax payroll. It's typically using the average annual value of contracts, in this case, $70 million for Shohei, it'll be about $46 million after each season. So that puts the combined cost of the all-stars, the MVP contenders of Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts towards the CBT collective, uh, or excuse me, the CBT payroll at somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million annually. The luxury tax threshold is at $237 million. So all three of those guys, MVP candidates. Yeah. All of them with an MVP. I think Mookie Betts won in the American League, correct? I'm pretty sure you're correct. So all of them have an MVP award within the last, like, five years' time. They only count towards $100 million, towards a $237 million luxury tax threshold. And they're going to be batting one, two, and three, 162 nights. Yeah, that's... that's, How do you... I don't know what to do with that either. I don't know what to do with that either. I don't even know. And one of them's pitching with like a three ERA, not even. Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that lineup. The Dodgers... 
they uh, they are going to get everybody. Mad Dog Russo, he's mad about it. <laughs> but they are going to get everybody because of the loophole. It's pretty crazy to see. Uh, let's go to the live wire in just a moment. We have one more hour to go. Chris Tabor talks about questionable play calling on the other side of the break. And also Pat Mahomes, after a while and after that loss to the Buffalo Bills, he starts to walk back his comments just a little bit. We'll play that audio for, uh, audio for you on the other side of the break. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.